In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. How many of us are really worn down and very tired of losing the battle in our thought life? It's okay, you can raise your hands on this one. Okay, now all those who are lying, raise their hands. <laughs> We have a constant war upon us, constantly. And so many times we find, we find ourselves not even warring in our thought life. Thoughts come, they come, they take root, things happen, we sin. You know, last week, Father Rooney wonderfully pointed out for us a way to look at the four stages of sin, right? Let's just remember those very, very briefly. Because they're part of what our Lord wants to offer us today. That first stage is first motion. That is the very pinprick moment, at, if you will, of the beginning of a thought in our mind. And it's ever so subtle. It's ever so brief. But there is a point of a birth of a thought in our mind. And this is first motion. The second stage that he mentioned is entertainment. Where we take that birth of a thought and we let it have its way churning in our minds. And as it churns, it grows. It takes life. To the next point, the next stage, which is consent, where because of the activity of the thought in our soul and in our minds, we are deceived to join ourselves, to almost covenant with these thoughts, to become one with them. We are deceived, and the result of that consent, giving ourselves over to the thoughts, becomes the actions of sin, right? Today is a continuation on this. You see, based on our gospel reading today, this morning, our focus, we're going to focus solely on primarily the first and a little bit of the second stage of sin, that first motion, and a little bit about the entertainment. And we focus on those two today because we, not, we should not ever go further. We should be winning the battles as Christ steps into the moment in the moments of those first thoughts. In the birth of those thoughts. Before we even let them go to entertainment. This is what our Lord wants to aid us with today. Is to more quickly recognize these things. And Father James said so rightly last week. This is true in all of our lives. That most of our life. If not all of our life of repentance. Is after all four stages have been complete. After we have let the thoughts have their way in our lives, given consent to them, joined ourselves to them, and the result is sin. And now our conscience and our soul has become damaged by these things. And because it's been damaged, now we are in such dire need for the great mercy and forgiveness of God. And we know it so strongly. The reality is this for the Christian. That if we can live a life of repentance in the most early stages of those thoughts, those first two stages, we can experience the active grace. We can experience the divine power, the divine life of Christ himself in those most early moments. And when we do, we experience the great joy of sharing in Christ's victory over sin, over death. And over our enemy. You know I said victory. Victory is a result of war. And Father pointed out. St. Paul mentions many times. In the scriptures that our life is a life of warfare. 
And I'm going to read to you another scripture from St. Paul on warfare as it, and as it has to do particularly with our thought life. In the second letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, blessed St. Paul teaches us this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal. They're not material. They're not physical. They are not of this world, finite. But the weapons we fight with are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, for casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And here's the point. Taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You've heard me say this before, the fathers say this all throughout the centuries, that the battlefield, the great battlefield of the Christian, the true disciple of Christ, is the battlefield of the mind, the battlefield of the thoughts, the thought life. And I'm going to tell you this right now, that every time we enter into that battle, that battle comes upon us daily and in the moments of the days, every time that battle takes place, somebody's going to get taken captive. We are either going to take the thought captive in the power and presence of Christ in our lives, or that thought is going to take us captive and drag us down into bondage of conscience and lack of health in our soul. Those are the only two results from this battle. But what does it mean when St. Paul says to take every thought captive? Well, let's go back to that first stage in the brief second stage. That first motion, I said it's like the birth of the thought. The reality is those thoughts, our thoughts, whether they come from an external source or our internal brokenness or both, those thoughts hit quick. There is an absolute quick birth of them, much like the birth, much like the conception of a human in the womb of a woman. There's a split second time where they come to life, you see. <clears throat> and I tell you that it's in this quick moment, and you know this, that first motion, before it goes to entertainment, it's a matter of seconds. First motion, the thought hits. And if we don't take it captive at that moment, we are in entertainment. <clears throat> we are giving it room to cultivate and root in our thoughts and in our soul. And I tell you that it is in that very moment, that pinprick moment of the beginning of the thought, that we must take the thought captive. And how? This is where we get to a new discipline and understanding of the life of true repentance for the Christian. Because we bring that act of repentance into the moment of the first thought. Remember that definition, or at least part of the definition of repentance is always this. It is a 180 degree turn away from something to someone. And I say that very particularly. Our thoughts, the deceptive thoughts, the temptations come and the enemy takes those thoughts or produces, brings those thoughts to us and he begins to war against us. And we either stare that in the face and keep our face set towards all of those things or we do the 180 degree turn of repentance and we turn and we face someone. The person of our Lord Jesus Christ who has filled us with his Holy Spirit. 
We turn to Him. But you know, first, before we even think about that, we have got to grow in the discipline of watchfulness over our thoughts. How watchful are we with our thoughts? Our St. Peter says it this way, that we are to live a life being sober and being vigilant. You know what these words are talking about? It's like the watchman on a castle tower. And what's the role of the watchman on a castle tower? His only job is to look over those walls knowing that the enemy, not if the enemy comes, but that the enemy is going to come. And the watchman watches for the approach of the enemy and sees him very quickly, looking for his strategies that all of his means might be thwarted so that those in the castle are protected. This is the way St. Peter is telling us that we are to be in our thought life. St. Paul is echoing that with taking thoughts captive, that we are to be that vigilant and that disciplined, watching over our thoughts, the thoughts that come to us. I'm going to tell you this right now. The only people that will become watchful like this, that will live in that sobriety and vigilance over their thoughts, are a people of prayer. A people who constantly fellowship with Christ through the Holy Spirit in their lives and all throughout the day, not just in the hours of prayer, but all throughout the day. Those are the ones that will grow to see things from Christ's perspective, who is our ultimate watchman. For he's given us the Holy Spirit, that we have his eyes to, to see the deceits of Satan in our thought life. Only a people of prayer will become that watchful over their thoughts. We must, by the help of God, recognize these fiery darts of thoughts and temptations as they come and recognize them quickly. Once we recognize them, we move to repentance. We don't keep thinking about the thought. We don't keep looking at it, gazing upon it, thinking about it, letting it manifest itself in us. We turn to the person of Jesus Christ. And how do we turn to Jesus Christ to experience his warfare on our behalf over our thoughts in those moments? We pray. A people of prayer keep praying. And what do we pray? We know the church teaches us to have that blessed Jesus prayer as a prayer under our breath, as if it is a breath to us. Every moment of our lives, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And we should have the Our Father absolutely written upon our souls, that we can mouth it at any moment. Because when Jesus' disciples asked their Lord, how do we pray? He answered, one of the things he said is, pray this, deliver us. Deliver us from the evil one. When we turn to our deliverer, he delivers us in those moments. And you notice I did two things, both, same thing. When I, when I said, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, and deliver us, what am I doing? What am I doing? I'm crossing myself. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are of the kingdom of God for the pulling down of strongholds and the casting away of our enemies and our thoughts. Why do we not pull one of the greatest weapons our Lord has given us out of its holster in the moments of our thoughts and utilize it? Listen to the words of blessed Saint Cyril of Alexandria on the signing of the cross. 
He says, let us not be ashamed to confess the crucified. Let the cross as our seal be boldly made with our fingers upon our brow and on all occasions. Interesting, he said, on our brow. Now, when we make the sign of the cross, we work the whole body, right? But he says, make the sign of the cross on thy brow. Why? That's where the war is happening. Our thoughts. And when we make the sign of the cross, we bring the same power and authority and warfare that Christ brought to the demonic when he hung upon the cross. He goes on to say, the sign of the cross is a powerful safeguard for us. It is without price. It is a grace from God, and it is a terror to devils. For when they see the cross, they encounter the crucified. Isn't that incredible? Why are we not using this at that pinprick moment of our thoughts? And crying out for deliverance. You see? We are taking thoughts captive, or are to take thoughts captive with actions of warfare, with weapons from the kingdom of God. What are we doing when we repent like this? When we first get that thought, then we stop and pray and cross ourselves. You know what we're doing? We're creating something in real time, in our real lives, in the midst of warfare, for our Lord Jesus Christ to do his deliverance ministry in us and for us. What do we usually do with our thoughts? They come and they just keep going. How many of you people have ever seen an army win a battle by doing nothing? There is no neutral in this war. Christ will be our victory over our thoughts or we will be consumed with death and illness of the soul. We're creating space for the Lord to be present. Not that he's not present, but we're acknowledging it. We're moving towards that reality in our lives. Because listen to what St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10. He says, no temptation has overcome you, overtaken you, except such that is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I am so tired in my own mind, and you will resonate with this, of going, oh Lord, there I went again. After the fact. Oh, the devil made me do it. And I was too weak. St. Paul says rubbish. No temptation, God says, has overtaken you, but that which is common and he will provide the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And all my friends, you need to see this clearly. The way of escape is not a path. The way of escape is a person. The Lord Jesus Christ, who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If we offer Christ our God an opportunity in the midst of those early moments of our thoughts that are warring against us, He will grant us His victory over our broken thoughts and the demons that seek to constantly influence them and influence us. You see, we repent, we turn ourselves to a person, and we encounter His victory in those moments. We have got to stop thinking we must war against thoughts. 
Because the moment we keep saying we're in a war against thoughts, our face is still set towards the thoughts. The war of the Christian is this, warring to turn away and warring towards Christ. That's the battle of the Christian. Because when we war towards Christ, he wins the battle in our mind. And he grants us he who is the way and the truth and the life. And what will happen in those moments is precisely what we hear in our gospel reading today from the gospel of St. Luke in chapter 7, where we hear of the raising of the widow's son from the dead. And you may wonder, what in the world does God raising, our Lord Jesus Christ raising a widow's son from the dead have to do with the victory and the battle in our thought life? And I tell you, that if we look at it, what the fathers talk about, we'll see it has everything to do with what we can experience in those moments. Because in the gospel passage, we are told... That Jesus is leading his disciples and a multitude. This is a large crowd. He's leading them in procession. And he's going right to the gate of the city of Nain. We're also told at the same time that there inside the city of Nain. There is another procession that is formed. And it is processing also toward the city gates. And it's the procession of death. It's the procession of the dead widow's son. Being borne by the hands of a number and moving in that great crowd towards the gate. St. Cyril of Alexandria, he says this about the collision of these processions. He says, the dead man was being buried. Christ, the life and resurrection, meets him there. He is the destroyer of death and corruption. And he commands the woman to weep not. Immediately, the cause of her weeping was done away for Jesus raised the Son from the dead. And the church fathers universally, if I could sum them up, it would be like this. I love how they say it. They say the procession of life in that moment met the procession of death. And death can never win the victory over the one who is the resurrection and the life. Please see this of what we can experience even in our thought life. Our Lord Jesus Christ, all of the holy angels, all of the intercessory prayers of the saints, and all of the kingdom of God are always processing towards us. And when we turn in that repentance at first thought, we're moving towards the gate. And when the procession of life meets the procession of death, death loses its power. Life wins its victory, and we can be at peace all the days of our life. I saw these words yesterday from St. Simeon, the new theologian. I conclude with this. <clears throat> the spiritual contestant, all of us, the spiritual contestant must not only abstain from evil actions, but also strive to be free from hostile thoughts and notions. It is important to always concentrate on ideas of a soul-nourishing and spiritual nature, thus remaining detached from worldly cares. What's he saying? He's saying that the experience of Christ, who is life-defeating death at the gate of our thought life, is going to be absolutely dependent on where we decide to cast the gaze of our soul. In those very brief moments where thoughts are born. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.